What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Ryan Schlesinger Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Schlesinger. This is episode 14, and the Marlins just wrapped up their West Coast road trip after playing the Padres at home. They went to Los Angeles to play three, and then they went to Oakland to play three. This was the first Marlins trip to the Oakland Coliseum in quite some time, considering that the last time that the Marlins played a game at the Oakland Coliseum, well, D. Gordon was your leadoff hitter. And uh, let's just say Stanton was in that lineup as well. This was before they had these colors. They were just different jerseys, completely different players. And now this new team against Oakland took two out of three. But first, we got to talk about the series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's a really tough one for the Marlins. They lost all three of those games. The first game of that series, they really put up a fight. I mean, I thought they were going to end up winning that game. We were fresh off knowing that last season, the Marlins played the Dodgers incredibly well. I mean, they won three out of four in one of the series at Lone Depot Park last year. But... Not the case for this series. It's a little bit different because they are at Los Angeles. And they ended up losing this game 2-1. to one. They actually started off with the lead during the seventh inning stretch. The Marlins were up one to nothing, And Jesus Lazardo pitched an absolute gem to that point. And the final line ended up being a total gem considering the team that he was playing against. He said it was the one of the best career outings that he's ever had in his pretty young career. But uh, he went six and one-third of an inning, allowing four hits, one earned run, two walks, and seven strikeouts. That's right, he struck out seven Dodgers hitters, lowering his ERA to 3.44. Now, Zardo's been a little bit better, in my opinion, this season than his ERA. He's had a little bit of a shaky season with those injuries, a little bit of rough starts. He had a little bit of a rough one in Arizona, which was his last game before that long IL stint for about two and a half months, closer to three maybe. But overall, he's had a really good year, and it shows that he's going to be a part of this rotation in the future. And Lazardo and Cabrera are two guys that I'm really excited about because Although I want to be excited about Max Meyer, it's hard to think about him because we're not going to see him on the baseball fields until possibly, I can't really say 2023. He's going to do his rehabbing in, in the second half part of 2023, but we won't see him with the Marlins really expected till 2024. I don't think he can rehab that fast from Tommy John's surgery, considering that it's a surgery that takes 12 to 18 months and he's still a younger guy. Uh... Next, the Marlins ended up blowing this game. It was tied one to one. Lizardo came out of the game after giving up a earned run to the Dodgers. It was one to one after seven. That's all that really matters. The Marlins don't score in the top of the eighth. And then in the bottom half of the eighth inning, Dylan Floro allows an earned run. And the Dodgers end up winning it thanks to Will Smith's go-ahead RBI fielder's choice. It was a really controversial play, so I will take you through this. 
basically the situation here, you got runners on the corners with one away in the bottom of the eighth. It's a tie game. It's a 2-1 count on Will Smith. And Dylan Floro with the pitch. And Smith hits one on the ground right to birdie. So you got one away. There's a runner coming home. And then you have the option, though, to go to second and go to first to try and get an inning-ending double play, which would take us to the ninth and have it tied up. Birdie fields the ball, and his momentum is kind of going towards home. And he ends up making no throw because Jacob Stallings, who was... I guess, trying to make a smart play that ended up being a somewhat dumb play, if you want to say it that way. He was down the first baseline trying to go cover the throw over at first. So he was trying to back it up, which is the right thing to do. But he wasn't, shouldn't have been 100% sure that Birdie was going to go there because going home was a definitely realistic opportunity a realistic situation because uh, it would have been a pretty tough play. I mean, Birdie's momentum, it he kind of had to move a little bit to get the ground ball. It didn't come right to him. A little bit of a slow roller, I guess you can say. And not extremely slow, but somewhat slow. And, yeah, that's basically what happened. So, a run ended up scoring. The Marlins didn't get any outs. Pretty tough pill to swallow. Really tough way to lose a game. But that's going to happen. I mean, in my book, I'm going to be honest with you, I consider that a win. Because we were able to hold the Dodgers to only beat us 2-1. to one. First of all, our pitching staff only gives up two runs against the Dodgers. I know we barely scored any runs. Uh, Gerard Encarnacion did hit an RBI double, which I'm very impressed with him for doing that. And Zardo ended up fanning seven hitters. That's a win to me, okay? Lazardo strikes out seven hitters on the best team in baseball, and you're not even sure how Lazardo is as a player overall, and then he strikes out seven guys on the Dodgers in less than seven innings. Just a great job by Jesus Lazardo, and he only gives a one earned run. Next, you got Saturday's game, which we don't really need to talk about a lot. What we do need to talk about, though, is Braxton Garrett. He was the scheduled starter for this game. Then about, I'd probably say three or four hours before the game, I remember I was about to leave the house, and I was about to go to Publix going food shopping with my dad before the game started. Uh, and, well, we got a Twitter notification from, I'm not even sure who tweeted it out first. It was pretty much at the same time. But you got a Twitter notification from Christina Danicola and Jordan McPherson, uh, the two most trusted Marlins beat reporters on Twitter. And then everyone started tweeting it out. Kevin Burrell, Fish Stripes, Craig Mish. That Braxton Garrett was not going to be starting tonight. And originally we didn't know why. And I actually didn't catch why until they announced it about an hour later. But Braxton Garrett was going to the IL. I was pretty concerned because I'm like, in his last start he didn't get injured. He had a decent start. So why is he going to the injured list all of a sudden? But, unfortunately, he's likely out for the season. Maybe he could come back in late September, but should do it for Braxton Garrett's year. We are coming to an end of the 
2022 Major League Baseball season. I don't think they want to risk it with a youngster like Braxton Garrett, former first-round pick. So, Brian Honig... Actually, sorry, I pronounced that name wrong. Brian Hoing, believe that's how you pronounce it. I had actually not heard of him. I, had, I think I had heard his name. I think I had seen his name on something, on some minor league report. But he wasn't this hyped-up prospect. wasn't a top-30 prospect about to make his major league debut. And he had an above-four ERA with Jacksonville, so that alone just concerned me. His ERA with Jacksonville, when I checked on minorleague.com, was 4.25 this season. He's really just a emergency starter to call up. I don't know why they didn't call up anyone else. I think they could probably have tried someone else, but some pitchers on that Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp team are struggling and showing that they probably can't have success in the majors, so they figured just give this guy a shot. This probably isn't a game that they would win anyway, but Braxton... Garrett out for the season. Brian Hoeing pitches three innings, allows eight hits, seven earned runs, gives up two home runs, strikes out two guys, and he walks one. The control wasn't a problem. He was just giving too much pitches to hit. The Dodgers, they hit a three-run home run with Justin Turner. It was an absolute bomb down the left field line. And I will give the Dodgers credit because that stadium was loud when Turner hit that. I love that atmosphere. And would have been fun to watch that when I was if I was a Dodgers fan. Just them beating up and just doing their thing and playing incredible. Will Smith hit a three-run homer to pretty much the same spot in left field. And that was before Turner's. It was Turner's and Smith's were on an inside pitch and were slugged down the left field line. Smith's was a little bit closer to the foul pole, but both of them were fair by a decent margin. Then you got Dustin May, who absolutely dazzled in his return after Tommy John's surgery. He's pitching his first game in over a year, maybe closer to two years, and he struck out John Birdie to start off his nine. He ended up striking out nine. One of those guys was Jesus Aguilar, strikeout victim, and... Then later on in the first, with the bases loaded due to some control problems and two outs, he, you guessed it, struck out Nick Fortes. It was a drop third strike, but they were able to get him easily. So the final score of that game ended up being 7 to nothing. Not sure how much the Dodgers were trying at the end, but after Hoeing's three innings, Nance pitches two scoreless. Then Nari, Sulcer, and Tanner Scott each pitch an inning of their own scoreless. Good thing to see the bullpen getting in some work. Next, you got Saturday's game. The Marlins did score some runs in this game. Dustin Pepiot was on the mound for the Dodgers, a youngster. He, given, he ended up giving up two earned runs, four hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts in six innings, and one home run allowed, which... Was all the Marlins runs in that game was a walk and a home run because Lehman Diaz had a two-run shot off Pepiot, and the guy who ended up scoring was from the walk. But the Marlins stranded through those four hits. Next, you got the performance from Sandy Alcantara, 
which is going to be a tough one to talk about because ZRI is just below 2 coming into this. Now it's 2.19. I still think Sandy Alcantara is going to win the National League Cy Young, but he's really going to have to work for it now with his ERA not that far apart from others. I'm just really hoping that he doesn't have a bad rest of the season and he doesn't blow the Cy Young. I think he will still win the Cy Young. This is just a fluke. He's had a lot of tough teams getting up against him lately. He's still played well against the bad teams, like when he pitched a complete game shutout against the Reds. He had to play the Mets. That was a really tough one. He's had to play the Mets a lot recently. And now he's going to have to face the Dodgers again. The difference is this is at home. Sandy Alcantara had a blow-up start last season in Los Angeles. He also had another one in Colorado, but... That's pretty much it, because he had a great season last year. His ERA got upped a lot by those two blow-up starts in Mile High and Dodger Stadium. In three career outings, he's never pitched good at Dodger Stadium, and I don't think he's ever going to be a good Dodger Stadium pitcher. I don't think that's a way to just judge him as a player if his ERA skyrockets after that. But uh, the Dodgers with a pretty good game in terms of scoring off the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. They hold Sandy to just three and two-thirds of an inning, the shortest outing of the season. They give up. Sandy allows ten hits, six earned runs, one walk. He still managed to get five strikeouts, and he gives up one home run. The Dodgers were just getting hits through the holes in the infield. Some of them were a little bit lucky hits that, would not always be hits considering how the infield is playing and who the infielders are and just how fast the ball is hit. But a lot of RBI singles. Will Smith hit an RBI single. Justin Turner hit an RBI single. Hanser Alberto hit a sack fly. J.J. Blade did hit a solo home run in that game. That was pretty nice. Marlins ended up scoring three runs themselves. Partially thanks to that J.J. Blade solo bomb. And that's pretty much all I have to talk about for that game. Now we go into all the good news on this recap. we got to talk about the series against the Oakland Athletics. Because although the Marlins did go 2-4 and four on this road trip, they did win a series and finish off winning two of their last three after getting swept. Because in the first game of the series, the Marlins have a strong win. They won 3 nothing. Talk about Edward Cabrera, his best career outing. Cabrera goes eight innings, gives up just two hits, walks three guys, strikes out seven, lowers his ERA to 1.41 after those eight scoreless innings. He actually begged Don Mattingly and Mel Stottlemyre to keep him in, but they said no, they wanted to protect their young arms, knowing that this is a season that... They really just aren't going to make the playoffs. So Tanner Scott closed it out under minimal pressure because your team's up three three to nothing, and this offense is not hot. It's a little bit different when your team is up three to nothing than it is ten to seven or something like that. Because then you know that this offense is hot. They've been hitting well all night. They've scored seven runs. You guys have just outscored them. But three to nothing, and the Athletics are not the best. Offense, that's just a common fact. No offense to 
the Athletics fans, if you're somehow listening to this and you're a big Athletics fan. But y'all might have a worse offense than us. Tanner Scott, one thing I wanted to talk about in this outing is he did give up one hit, no earned runs, clean save, made the Marlins win 3 to nothing. but struck one. He didn't walk any guys. That's pretty rare for Tanner Scott, who's had a lot of control issues this season. He's walked two or three guys sometimes in his save opportunities, blown them, or pretty much close to blowing them. Marlins win that one three to nothing. Now we go to game two of this series. Marlins offense was on fire for Marlins standards in this game. They scored five runs, something you haven't seen in 24 games prior to that. And Pablo Lopez, pretty good outing for him. Actually, a great outing. Six innings pitch, four hits allowed, no earned runs, given up two walks, five strikeouts. ERA down to 3.66 after some trouble. That's a nice outing to boost his confidence for Pablo Lopez. Then Tommy Nance pitches two innings, allowing no earned runs. Cole Solcer nearly blows the game, if not for the Marlins scoring a ton of runs in this game. He gives up three earned runs in just one-third of an inning, and one of my uh, friends had his parents going to Vegas for, I think, two nights. And he had them bet on this game. And him knowing that both of these offenses aren't good, he saw a good bet where he could win some money if this game had less than eight runs. We needed seven or less runs in the game. And when Solskjaer blew it, he was absolutely frustrated and mad I mean he was mad and I don't blame him this shouldn't have been a game that you have a lot of runs in but I mean these aren't the best pitching teams because the Marlins they are a good pitching team but we know their bullpen is shaky and then the athletics don't really have the best staff but then Tanner Scott comes in he is the hero yet again he gets his second save in a row his 19th of the season, two-thirds of an inning, allowing one hit, and no earned runs. The Marlins end up winning that one 5-3. to three. Brian Anderson, talk about him hitting a solo homer into left field. This ball was absolutely crushed off the bat about 110 miles per hour on the exit velocity. It's not O'Neill Cruz 122 miles per hour off the bat like he just did the first guy to do that since someone did it in 2015. But O'Neill Cruz, definitely the guy who hits the ball the hardest in baseball, and that's not even a question. He also throws pretty hard for a shortstop, considering that he throws above 100 miles per hour. wonder if he could do that on the mound. And Carnacion hit a two-run double and just a great overall game on the offense for the Marlins. Now we go to the final game of this series. This game was a fight. The Marlins were down 2 to nothing. I actually did not watch this whole game because it was the fourth inning. I remember I was tired coming home from school. I saw that Jesus Lazardo had a little bit of a no-hitter. Don't know when it got broken up, but I know he had one through four. Miguel Rojas made an incredible diving play to get him through four and rob a hit from I don't even know who was batting at that time. But 
Lazardo ended up giving up two earned runs off three hits, two runs single. The Athletics got off him. Two walks, four strikeouts in seven innings. He just did a good job pitching the weak contact. The Marlins didn't score any runs, though. It was two to nothing when I woke up in the seventh. The Marlins had an eighth inning rally. Miguel Rojas hit an RBI single, which made it a one-run ball game. Two to one. Nick Fortes in the top of the tenth. He hits a solo home run. Game tying. Fortes now has a walk-off home run this season at home and a game tying home run on the road. He's pretty clutch. And the Marlins ended up losing this game 3-2, though. They did not score a run in the 10th, which is why I don't consider this a blown save for Richard Blyer, who came in. He really struggled. There was a pass ball. It was officially ruled a pass ball originally, but I don't know what the official ruling ended up being, if it was a pass ball or a wild pitch. And then a sack fly was hit right after that. And Sky Bolt hit it. The Athletics walked it off 3-2. to two. This game probably wouldn't have went to 11 if the Marlins could have scored one. And I would have loved for Billy Hamilton to be on and to pinch run. That's where you really missed him. Speaking of Billy Hamilton, he recently signed a minor league deal with the Twins. He's officially gone from the Marlins organization. I want to thank Billy Hamilton for playing just over 20 games with us. Although he was not a good hitter. Just one hit for Billy Hamilton. What he did do was he is an incredible guy to have on the team. He's always not going to disappoint you when he's not starting games, but he is an incredible base runner. Not only is he fast, he's just good at stealing bags, takes a great jump, doesn't get picked off, is just always consistent. I love to have Billy Hamilton on the bench, especially when the Marlins play a lot of close games, unless they're playing the Dodgers well which they still did play them in one very close game. You just love to have a guy like Billy Hamilton off the bench to pinch run. And now I guess we'll have to keep pinch running with Anthony Bass for Jesus Aguilar, uh, if anyone remembers that, when Anthony Bass was the – I mean, Jesus Aguilar was the placed runner for extra innings, and they had no guys off the bench, I think, other than they might have Jacobs have had Jacob Dollings left off the bench – because Fortes was starting that game. But Anthony Bass is faster than both Jacob Stallings and Jesus Aguilar. I'm not saying that much about Anthony Bass as an athlete. I think he's a decent athlete, but he's a better, at least a faster guy than Jacob Stallings and Jesus Aguilar, because those are the two slowest guys on the team and two of the probably 10 slowest guys in Major League Baseball. Maybe 20, you have some extremely shockingly slow guys. Like, I'm not sure how Yadier Molina compares on the track or the base paths to Jacob Stallings, but I know Molina's pretty slow. Then you got Pujols, and of course, Daniel Vogelbach is pretty slow. William Dostadio is pretty slow, too, but I think he's faster than those two guys. Could be similar speed to Anthony Bass. I think Bass might be a little bit faster, though. Anyways, Hopefully, Billy Hamilton has some success with the Minnesota Twins. Now, let's talk about the road ahead. I'm currently recording this podcast. It is 7.05 a.m. in the morning. about to go to school for Friday, wrapping up the week. And then I'm going to the Marlins game with my friend tonight at 6.40. 
the expected starter for this game, I don't know why it's not unofficial, but I saw something that the Marlins are going to pitch Brian Hoeing for this game. His second career outing, both of his career outings now are going to be against the Dodgers. Pretty unfortunate considering that you're not a hyped-up prospect. You want to just make it, and you have to face the best offense in baseball two times in a row, giving the Marlins a terrible first impression. So it's probably going to be Brian Hoeing against... Tyler Anderson, maybe they scratch him and they find someone else to pitch. Maybe they can take my dad off the streets to pitch. Uh, I don't really know what they should do. But whatever they do, hopefully it's a good decision to keep this at them in the ballgame. I'm not going to see a win. I'm just going to have some, have some fun with my friends, go to the ballpark, hang out. Good thing that the Marlins have a lot of things to do other than watch baseball at the ballpark when you're with a friend because – well, this game is going to get pretty boring pretty fast. Next, you got Saturday, August 17th. I mean, August 27th. It's going to be Sandy Alcantara against Dustin May. A great matchup. Dustin May with his lead leading, I guess you could call it, ERA, even though he's, of course, not qualified to be the league leader. But he does have the best ERA in the league, unless someone else who just came up as a zero ERA. Dustin May going to pitch against Sandy Alcantara. 6-10 Eastern time. And then the final game of that series will be Edward Cabrera versus Julio Arias, a, a game that I'm really excited about. That game is going to be on Peacock starting at 12. Uh, problem, I don't have Peacock. I guess. I don't know how I'll be able to watch this game. Maybe I'll figure out a way to get it, or I'll try to get Peacock. I don't know how much money it is. Maybe they'll give me a free trial so I can watch this game. Because the Marlins rarely don't play on Valley Sports Florida, and this is one of these instances. I, I think the Marlins have only three games this season in total, at least from what I've seen or what I can remember, because they played a Peacock game. The Marlins are undefeated in Peacock games, by the way. They won 3-2 against the Mets. Nick Fortes hit a walk-off homer. I didn't watch that game on Peacock, but I, that was when I was in Connecticut. I think that was right before I started my podcast. And... Fortes hit a walk-off bomb. I was listening on radio. Then I got out of the car. Then I got the notification when I was about to go in the house to uh, listen to the game on my phone. Got the notification that Fortes hit the walk-off shot. Pretty exciting. Then the Marlins are playing, of course, on Sunday on Peacock. Cabrera versus Arias. And then they're going to play the Braves later in the season. I think they'll have a series against the Braves overall. And that game's going to be on Apple TV from what I saw. I was looking, I was pretty bored looking at their broadcast schedule, and I saw that they have an uh, Apple TV Friday night game coming up later in the season. Anyways, that's going to do it for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. I'm Ryan Schlesinger signing out. I will see you guys in the next episode, in episode 15. Thanks for listening to episode 15. Goodbye. <laughs>